Las Vegas. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes of it to watch Getting Real Estate in Vegas. I am your host, Bridget Magnus, and you are watching the Vegas Video Network. Exactly. Now, if you've got a question or a suggestion for us, be sure to send that in to gettingreal at vegasvideonetwork.com. In addition to being able to watch us on the Vegas Video Network, be sure to catch all of our terrific shows on iTunes. Um, let's see. We're going to talk about the Friday figures, aren't we? Well, I've got good news today. The number of available units did drop again, this time to 15,158. Um, the price of houses, believe it or not, is up. Median of $138,000. Median price on condos is dropped to $66,000. Now, the one thing I am really excited about is that we do have drops in the number of available units in almost every price range. That does include those sub $50,000 and sub $100,000 units that I have been worried about. Now, unfortunately, 2,653 of our available units are foreclosed homes. Median price on those is about $105,000, which is up. Yes, I did say up. Um, $7,585 are short sales. The median price on those is $114,000, which unfortunately is down. In addition, we have 4,917 non-distressed homes available. Median price on those rose to $178,000. Um, now, in the last 30 days, we have closed on 3,589 homes. The median sales price rose, yes, rose to $115,000, and the median list price rose to $116,000. Now, in addition, no great shock, inventory's down, contingents are up, up to 12,527. We do have um, 3,685 newly signed leases and 2,380, excuse me, I'm so wrong about that, 3,685 available rentals and 2,387 signed leases, median rent $1,100. Great, great news, unemployment is down in the state of Nevada to 14.3%. In Las Vegas, it is 15.1%. Mortgage applications did rise 16%. Part of the reason why is that rates are still under 5% at 4.88%. Foreclosures nationwide down 27% year over year. But an important thing to remember is that 23% of homes are still what we call underwater. That means that they are worth less than what is owed on the mortgage. And that is kind of a looming problem for real estate, obviously. Now today, I'd kind of like to talk about disclosures. In fact, I kind of like to call this episode Full Disclosure. First, let's talk about what we're going to have in the way of disclosures from the state of Nevada. The number one document that should be in any Nevada real estate transaction is called duties owed by a Nevada real estate licensee. That's this form right here. Now one important thing I would like to stress is that this does not obligate you, the client, in any way. It talks about my obligations to you. Among other things, I have to tell the truth. <laughs> I have to tell the truth. Yes, I do have to tell the truth. 
I also have to do the best job that I know how to do. I have to be able to account for any money that a client might entrust me with. There's an entire list of things, and I do encourage people to go ahead and read this form before signing it. It does identify the agent, the broker, and the brokerage, and it has a place to initial near the bottom to say whether the agent can represent both sides of the transaction. The next big one, and I do mean a big one, is the Nevada Residential Disclosure Guide. I'm not kidding, folks. This thing is 32 pages long. It includes everything from how to reach the real estate board, disclosures on rangeland, septic systems, construction defects, lead paint, radon, and what disclosures you can expect to get from a seller. Now, in addition to this, you may receive additional disclosures about things like pests, mold, airport noise, um, the 215 beltway that runs most of the way around town, and if you are buying a foreclosed home, you should also get an additional form that's basically an REO disclosure. It tells you about some things you can expect buying a foreclosed home. Now, one thing that you might be a little sticky on, this one, next one is called the Seller's Real Property Disclosure. In the biz, we call it the SRPD for short. Four pages of little tiny checkbox, is this working, uh, uh, is this not working? It must, and I repeat, must be provided by any seller in most circumstances. However, it can be waived by the buyer, and the waiver is normally required for bank-owned homes. Please do not waive your rights to this on a short sale. Now, there are two more that we're not going to put up on the screen. I've talked about the seller's energy consumption form before. It is kind of a mini energy audit, uh, usually done by the seller. It can be waived if both the buyer and the seller agree. There's also one that you should probably receive if your home is in a homeowners association. It's called the Common Interest Community Information Statement, but we usually shorten it up to the Did You Know? It outlines the rights and the responsibilities of having a property in an HOA. And um, after you do receive the HOA package, which is going to include everything from the CCRs and the minutes of the latest meeting and the budget, you will have five days to either agree or walk away. That's a very important point, so I'd like you to know that up front in the state of Nevada. Now, there are other disclosures that may be required by the brokerage office, and I will leave those to be explained by your real estate agent. But in addition, I'd just like to kind of uh, wrap up with the two things that you might see that are federal disclosures. The first is required for any home built before 1978. It is called protect your family from lead paint in the home. Not even the banks can get away without giving you this one. If the home is built before 1978, you must see this document before closing. Now, there is one more document that is required for FHA mortgages, but I like to make sure that all buyers see it because it's an important one. It is the For Your Protection, Get a Home Inspection. I really do think that that title is self-explanatory. Please, if you are buying a home, get a home inspection. It is for your protection. I love when those titles are so self-explanatory. You know exactly what's going on and what it does. So then, 
Are you ready for real advice? Today's real advice is inspired by an actual question that I did receive from a client. That question, in short, how do realtors get paid? It's a pretty good question. Now, first I'd like to talk about how we don't get paid. We are not salaried, we do not get an hourly wage. There are a handful of us that work as either real estate educators or assistants to other realtors that might get a salary or a hourly wage. They are a teeny, tiny minority. We are independent contractors, and we do not get paid until a property closes. Now, this means a couple of things. First off, it means that we really do want you to have a successful transaction. Yes, it does, because we don't get paid if you don't. Um, it does also mean that we try very hard to make sure that we are only working with serious clients who are likely to buy or sell a home. Uh, as a side, many agents do not have any tolerance for clients that um, are working with multiple realtors at the same time. Because the odds of us getting paid if someone is working with multiple realtors does drop very sharply. So where does the money come from? Well, it comes from the seller's proceeds after the sale. Now, you may think, well, doesn't this mean that all of us just work for the sellers? No, not really. First off, the buyer's agent is generally not allowed to contact the seller about the transaction. I cannot, if I am the buyer's agent, I cannot just pick up the phone, call the seller directly, and ask if he's willing to drop the price. No, that is a big no-no. Can't do that. I can lose my license for that. Uh, furthermore, the uh, buyer's agent might have a written buyer brokerage agreement with the buyer. Basically, this says that this, the buyer is my buyer and I am representing them first and foremost. I kind of think this is overkill because you remember that duties owed form? That form outlines my obligations to my client. Um, another thing that you need to be aware of is that most of us have what is called a split with the brokerage. The brokerage, the, the, the people who basically uh, um, run the business that I work from have, are entitled to money to run their business. In general, the brokerage will take anything from 5 to 50% of the commission up front. Wow, Bridget, that's a huge range. What justifies that huge range? Well, it depends on the services that the brokerage is providing for me, any rent that I might be paying to the brokerage, and um, what my typical commissions are. Um, for better or for worse, someone who's bringing a million dollars worth of commissions into a brokerage every year is going to pay a smaller percentage than somebody who's bringing $20,000 into that brokerage annually. Now, there are a few fees that the seller does need to be aware that they will probably end up paying at closing. Usually, it is a transaction or document fee. This um, pays for storing every single scrap of paper relating to your transaction for five years. This fee can range from as little as $150 to as much as $800. My brokerage charges $175, which as you can see is very close to the bottom end of that range. The storage of those documents can either be actual paper in big old banker's boxes in a moldy warehouse somewhere, 
or in our case, it can be electronic. So you have a question about your transaction, you tell me what's going on, and I just zip you off an email of your entire transaction, and you know what's going on. Now, one last thing that I do want to point out, some buyer's agents are charging what amounts to a retainer fee. This is often refundable at closing. The reason for this is that they do want to encourage clients to be loyal to them, and they do want to have some compensation if it turns out that the buyer is just not going to purchase anything. I'm not a big fan of them, but I sympathize with agents who feel they must charge them. Is that a new thing? I've never heard that before. Uh, it's pretty new in the last couple of years. I first started hearing it about three years ago. I, I don't know of anybody personally who's doing it right now. I've kind of you know, heard scuttlebutt around the office, I need to start doing this, but I don't know of anybody who's currently charging it directly. Do you have an idea about what they charge, about how much they charge for that? The numbers that I've heard range from about 200 to about 400. So it's not a terrible lot of money, but if you're at the bottom end of the scale, that can really bite into what you've got going on. Good, thank you. And that is kind of what we've got today. I would like to thank you so much for tuning into the Vegas Video Network. Remember to send us an email at, <laughs> at gettingreal at vegasvideonetwork.com. If you do have a real estate question that I can help you with personally, you can find my contact information at BridgetMagnus.com. Join us next Friday at 1 p.m. for Fresh Friday Figures. And in the meantime, have a terrific weekend.